guys, we are back. Kaya is back. Oh my goodness. It's so ex I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for coming and joining us. Tonight is sister to sister. So we having girl time, girl talk. So we have got this guy here just for a little bit. I ain't no girl. <laughs> I said just just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. I'm okay. getting ready to get out of here. <laughs> Always got to come on and, you know, speak his piece. And thank you for being here. Um, but again, we're so glad that we are back at Kaya. We're going to get this thing moving and grooving. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. So, Dr. Scott, we're doing some icebreakers. So, the first thing I'm asking, where are you from? Just because some people might be on here that might not be familiar with you and with St. Paul and with Kaya. So, I want you to tell us where you're from, how long you've been at St. Paul, and like I said, your come to Jesus moment or your calling. Well, um, first of all, thank you, Ashley, for uh, letting me in this space. I am a native of Mississippi, a little town called Monticello. And I came here from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, almost five years ago next month. And so I uh, will have been at St. Paul for five years in October. And when you talk about my come to Jesus moment, uh, I don't know if I really had a come to Jesus moment in a sense where I felt like, oh, yeah, I really know that God is real. Um, it, it has just been what it is um, as far as my life is concerned at a very early age. But I did accept what I perceived to be a call to ministry at an early age. And so I think that for me, that would be somewhat of a manifestation of um a deep, mystical, memorable encounter with God. Uh, and that happened when I was like about 10 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was definitely not my case. I also want to start really quick. Hey, I, hey, fam, I see you guys in the comments. Please continue to, you know, write in the comments. You guys check in. Let us know about how long you've been at St. Paul. Your come to Jesus moment. Um, it's so good to see you. I see you, Jeff. I see you, Bosco. I see you, Amanda, Karen. Thank you guys for coming in. Anything else you want to say before I kick you out? No, I, listen, look, I'm ready to see what y'all have to say. This should be interesting. But here's the thing that I love about Kaya that we really uh, want to get over is that Kaya uh, even though it's driven by our young adults, is for anyone that wants to share and be a part of. But you all, uh, our young adult leaders, provide the uh, opportunity and leadership capacity for this. And so um, we're looking for forward to what you all are going to do. Yes, thank you so much for this space. A lot of a lot of people don't understand that a lot of churches, we don't get that opportunity to have a space. And we appreciate you, Dr. Scott, for giving us that space. You're more than welcome. And listen, I'm out. All right. I'll do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not here alone. I got some of my girls, some of my church friends. And so come on in, girls, so we can introduce ourselves. We can start off. Actually, we can do one at a time. Let's start off with Free. Come on in, girl. Hi. All right. Hey, girls. So we got Free. And Free, I want you to tell us where you're from, how long you've been a member at St. Paul, and your come to Jesus moment. I'm talking about that moment where it became real life. The moment that the God of your mama, your grandma, the stuff that they talked about in Sunday school, the stuff that you learned. And it was like that moment was like, oh, this thing is for real. Okay. My name is Free. Um, I'm, by the way, of Syracuse, New York originally, um, but I've been in Charlotte for, I'm pretty much like a native at this moment, um, 20, 
two years, I believe, at this point. So yeah, you're from Charlotte. Charlotte is home. Charlotte is home. I've seen the city grow. Um, I've been going to St. Paul since I was 18 years old. When I started, that's when I started winking off personally from my mother and my grandmother and things of that nature. I wanted to find God for myself. So St. Paul was um, home for me for and still is now. Um, but my come to Jesus moment, ooh, I have a couple. Um, but one of them that most likely stands out to me is when um, I was pregnant. I was 20 years old. Um, a lot of people may not know this. My daughter, I found that my daughter was going to be born with a physical disability. So at that point, all I had was God and myself and my daughter's father which is currently my husband now, to lean on. So I had to find him. I had to pray to make sure I was making the right decisions, going to the right doctors, a lot of things. For a 20-year-old already to be dealing with, to become a mother, but also to know that your daughter will be physically disabled for the rest of her life um, and trying to pick the right decision for her, um, I really had to talk to God about it. And also watching her go through multiple surgeries as well it was just God and myself. So that was my, I believe my very first come to Jesus moment when I was 20. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's major. That's, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't even, you know, imagine at 20 years old. I mean, you still, you know, young, you fresh and spry. And yeah. you have to, you know, have that major responsibility. So that is that's huge, but I'm glad you had your come to Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're here. You're here with us tonight. We I appreciate it. You know, Thank so you much. For having me. Yes, and I see you guys in the comments. I see you, Karen, been a member for 24 years. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and the new people, I see you, Karen, two years right at the start of COVID. So. Thank you, guys. All right. So our next um, panelist guest we have is Kelly. Some of y'all already know Kelly. Hey, y'all. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kelly, how long, well, where are you from? How long you been a member? And what was your come to Jesus moment? Well, good evening. And thanks, Ashley, for uh, having me come in. Um, yeah. I'm from Baltimore. I'm actually in Baltimore right now coming to y'all from my parents' guest room. <laughs> and I've been in St. Paul for almost three years. So I'm a new girl with the Karen in the comments. Uh, come, come to Jesus. I would have to say the moment when it got real, real, like for real, for real, I was raised in the church. But my moment would have been when I was about 18, 19 years old. And I had gone away to college for the first time. I was experiencing my adulting. You know how we do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was on the cusp of my first big failure, uh, to be to be honest. Um, I was facing a situation where I had gotten myself into it. Um, I didn't want to, you know, tell my family about it, but it was potentially going to put my academic career at risk. And I, it was just this like frozen moment that, you know, we had me and my girls. You know, we were doing our thing, but we had also been going to chapel. You know, because that's what you do. It'd be like that. It'd be on like Sunday that. Right, you hit the church before you go to brunch, my mother, right? All that, um, and but it was just what you did. And in that moment, when I felt this like panic in my heart and this 
loss of like, what am I going to do? This is on me. And yeah, my parents are going to step in, but I don't, I don't want them to, you know, Mm -hmm. what do I do? And I actually, for the first, probably the first time, um, I, I like literally turned around in my dorm room and found uh, the Bible and like, just like cracked it open, like to whatever page it opened to. And I, I fell on my knees, like in that moment. And I, I prayed authentically, like, um, Hey, this is Kelly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> and that moment was when it got completely real for me. It was actually one that it led to me the first time I actually heard God speak to me. I thought that was just a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it really scared me. It uh, but it, it just started a progression that led me to uh, now and beyond. Awesome. I love it. I look, Like you said, we have those moments in college when we didn't kind of, we didn't forget what mama and him told us to do, especially right when the time is needed. But you know, we in college having fun, but I'm glad to have you here, Kelly. We Glad to be here. Yes. All right. So our next person is Christina. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. 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 <laughs> All right, Christina, where are you from? How long you been a member at St. Paul? And your come to Jesus moment. All right, everyone. So I am from Alabama, um, a city called Huntsville. I've been in Charlotte for four years um, and I've been at St. Paul for four years. I actually became a member a few months after living here in Charlotte. I grew up in the church. Everywhere I've moved to, I've been in the church. And so I wanted to find a family here and I've been with the family since then. Um, My come to Jesus moment, Lord, I've had a few. But this one particular, um, this particular one is kind of twofold. So to be kind of quick, um, parents divorced when I was young and then my mother got very ill. And so I lived with my dad full time while I was in middle school and high school. Um, and then when I went to college, my mom passed away. And so when she passed away, so I went through a lot in high school and I just kind of kept questioning God, like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, asking God, why am I going through these things? Um, Why are my parents not together? Why am I under so much stress? And then, of course, with her passing, the only thing I could do was turn to God. And while I still question his decision, I understood it because I understood that he needed her more than I needed her here. Um, And I also then understood that everything he put me through when I was in high school, it just really prepared me mentally to deal with the passing of her when I was in college. Um, So that was really my largest uh, come to Jesus moment. Like I said, a group in the church, but that was when I really understood him for who he was um, and for my relationship with him personally. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad to have you here tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Okay. We got Mary next, but I still see you guys in the chat. Andrea, thanks for being here. Four years all winter. So that's awesome. Good to see you. And yes, that is how it's going to be one of those kind of evenings. <laughs> hey, Mary, talk to us. Good evening. Hey, so my name is uh, Mary Stevenson. I am originally from Charleston, West Virginia. Um, I've been in the Charlotte area for about 12 years. I came doing travel nursing and ended up meeting my husband, Jeffrey, who um, is the one who introduced me to St. Paul. And I've been a member there now for um, right at nine years. It'll be 10 years this year. Um, so I had my come to Jesus moment at an early, kind of an early age when I was 14. Um, so my aunt, um, had a baby and unfortunately the baby passed away from SIDS. 
And I was the one who found the baby. And so that was a really hard thing for me to deal with. You know, a lot of times in the black community, we don't understand why therapy is needed. So I really had to turn to God. And I really I kept a journal of letters, you know, that I really wrote to him, you know, asking him to help me get through this situation because I really didn't have anyone to talk to about it because my whole family was distraught, you know, over this. Um, So being able to communicate with him and having him communicate back with me is what really you know, brought me through that situation. Right. Wow. That's, that's deep, Mary. That was, that was good, but I'm glad you got to know him for yourself. Um, I forgot to do my introduction. So <laughs> I'm actually, I am from Orangeburg, South Carolina, by the way of Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I moved to Charlotte back in 2012. And I think I, I church hopped around for a couple of years. I became a member in 2014 um, and been there ever since because I was looking for that, like that church family because being from Orangeburg, you know, small town, you always had that church family um, kind of feeling. And so when I came to St. Paul, I immediately felt that. So I was so glad to be there. My come to Jesus moment, I cannot remember how old I was, but I feel like I was in middle school. And to me, you know, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, I accepted God. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, I've been going to church. I was raised in the church and, you know, go to Sunday school, went to vacation Bible school and just learned all this information and got baptized and all of that. I still I, I still hadn't had that moment where that I have now where I'm like, this thing is real. You can't tell me nothing else. I don't care what you say. Um, I was in high, not high school. I was in middle school and I was a cheerleader and I'm always losing things. And I before even before go back. So I remember being in Sunday school and the, um, the Sunday school teacher was just like, you know, you can ask God for anything. It doesn't matter. And sometimes I'd be like, I don't want to bother God. You know, I'm this 12 year old, 10, 12 year old girl. And I'm like, God don't got time for me. He out here saving the world. And so the lady was like, well, God is big enough to do anything. He can, you know, deal with your little problems and he can save the world if he wants to. So I was like, okay. And so this one particular evening, it was a, it was a football game the next day. So I needed my cheerleading skirt. And so I lost it. And I just could not remember where it was. I was asking my mom. I was asking my sister, everybody. No one was like, I don't know. I don't know. And so at that age, your mom was like, find it yourself or you're not going to be able to cheer tomorrow. And so I was like, oh my God. I got to find a skirt. And so I remember praying, I said, God, help me find my skirt. And so I prayed that and I just let it go. Wasn't even thinking about it anymore. I sat down, had dinner, and I was like, let me get up and look for this skirt again. God took me to the exact spot that it was. I didn't have to go turn over anything. I had to go. I went directly there. And at that moment, I was like, I, like, I prayed for this. I I really prayed for this. And this is what happened. And that time, you know, time moved on, middle school, high school. I think I forgot again until it was when I graduated in from high school, not high school, excuse me, graduated from college. It was 2008. And everybody remembers what happened in 2008. The, cra- the, the market crashed. Jobs were nowhere to be found. And everybody told me, go to college, get a job go to college, get a job. And so I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And in 2008, there was no jobs to be found. 
nowhere. And I just remember being so upset about it. I was in the bank running some errands for my mom and my pastor so happened to be there. And he was like, Ashley, how are you doing? And I just burst out in tears, burst, just burst out in tears. And he was like, okay, come on, come over to the church. Let's talk about this. And so I went over to the church and I was explaining to him what was going on. I couldn't find a job. I just was just really upset. I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. I've been applying for jobs and jobs and jobs. And he was like, well, have you prayed about it? And I was like, no, not really. I don't really know how to pray. And he's just like, well, it's basically, you know, having a conversation with God, you know, telling him about your day, telling him what's going on and telling him the things that you need. And he was like, well, you going to pray before we left. He was like, you going to pray. And I prayed and I asked God for a job. He said, but you got to pray like, you know, God is going to do it. You, you have to know. You have to know, like, you know, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. You have to know, like, if you sit down in this chair, it's going to hold you. It's going to hold you up. So I prayed it just like, you know, what's going to happen. You know what? I'm going to release it. It's fine. This is probably like around three o'clock in the afternoon. By 8 a.m., I had a phone call about a job and I was walking. I remember I was walking into Walmart and I was like, just stop in my tracks like oh my god like this thing is real i just prayed it and this is what happened a job came now it wasn't a job that i wanted <laughs> it wasn't that career move but it was a job and it was a pay it was a good paying job i was able to pay my cell phone bill <laughs> i was able to pay my car i was able to pay for my car and my insurance and that was enough and i was just like man god is this provider you know he he listened to me again I was still thinking about those times like, you know, it's women being raped out here. It's people in car accidents. It's, you know, so much going on in our world. He had time for me. He, he literally had time for me in my little prayer. And so at that moment, I knew God was real. So, yes, please write in your chats, people, whoever's out there. I see Karen. All that. Oh, yes. I see many come to Jesus, have a come to, excuse me, many come to Jesus moment when I had my son at 19 prematurely for God to allow him to live was my first and many to come Jesus moments. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we got that's deep. So we're going to get into some girl talk. You know, we can't have girl talk, girls like ladies night without some, some girl talk, some hot topics. So let's jump into these hot topics. Um, let's jump into what's been going on in this news. We got some um, missing persons. So have y'all heard about that? Anybody say something? So, yeah, I've heard about the girl, I think, in Miami or in that in the Florida yeah. area that's missing. Right. Well, is she the is she she was Hispanic. I think they found her. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the other day they found her and they thought that it was somebody from um, the apartment complex that had killed her. But then they found him. Right. Right. Yes. And so like we see right here, CNN. So this is so tell me if y'all a little bit bothered by this. So we talk about how, you know, media doesn't cover, you know, people of color going missing like they do with, you know, people of mm -hmm. the other race. Um, you know, they worldwide news when the young lady um, Gabby went missing, which is a terrible thing. Let's not, you know discount that. But I just, I always find it funny that, you know, media, um, CNN will be like, oh, people from the, you know, African-American 
Hispanic people, um, communities are upset about the not having the same news coverage, but it's like, but y'all the ones covering the news. Y'all the ones not talking about it. So now you covering that we upset about it, but you're not covering it in, in its actuality. I think that's interesting. I'd have to agree. I think that we have become so reactive, like mm. as, a, as a nation, um, and even as, you know, even as communities that we wind up not really paying attention uh, until something is like an emergency, somebody screams in and, and hollers. There was an article many years ago called The Tyranny of the Urgency. And it was mm. talking about how we have a habit, you know, we tend to go, 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 go. Um, and we're trying to accomplish things. But as soon as we are interrupted by something that's like an emergency that takes our attention, and then something else comes up. And before you know it, like, I think we've all had that experience where you come to the end of your day, your to-do list, you know, stands the same way it did at the beginning of the day, but a thousand emergencies have pulled your attention in different directions. And so, you know, I kind of feel like the same way that we deal with that individually, our nation has that same kind of a attention span. Um, and it's unfortunate that it takes something like protests or canceling or a bunch of people complaining about why is there not equal representation, but that's, that's kind of the only way to really grab attention when you're not the dominant culture, when news stations are owned by, you know, basically Caucasian men, like older Caucasian men as a whole. There may be some exceptions and there are some awesome exceptions popping up, but un until we have um, not just equal representation in the ownership, because they're, they're only going to broadcast what's going to get them advertising dollars. So I think right. that we have to take our, our anger, yeah, while people may be tired of seeing um, Black folks get ticked off about different subjects, it takes that in order to get the attention and the funds and the progress. Like Amazon, you see these Amazon commercials now talking about the trip into Black businesses. That's amazing. But that didn't happen until, what, the last two years of continual social unrest and Black bodies in the streets. And I don't want to monopolize the discussion. I just... <laughs> No, you know. that's that. I mean, that's real. That's real stuff. Andrea says yes because I heard about a lady in California who was across town and beat the first responders to her to her daughter home and had to drive her son to the hospital. That's you know, that's crazy. It's crazy. And then, and I'm still sitting here thinking about the young lady, Gabby. She did this, you know, cross country, you know, trip with her fiance at the time, and he's still he's missing now, like. Trying to figure out what's going on with that. Entitlement that. shows itself in a lot of ways. I found a lot of aspects of this story suspect. Um, but like he bought a new cell phone. I heard today I was working from home and CNN was on in the other room. We don't want to talk about it. But they were talking about how he went and bought a new cell phone before he conveniently kind of disappeared. And it kind of flashed me back to that guy, remember Dylan Roof, who killed the people in that church in oh, yeah. South Carolina, mm -hmm. and they took him to Burger King before they took him to jail. And that wasn't going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, to someone who was a person of color. And so we wouldn't have been alive for real, for real. I mean, in all honesty, that's so we 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 do have to. I know we get tired of screaming and we get tired of protesting. Yes. And hey, we got jobs. I can't always be taking off a day to go million woman marching to DC. <laughs> And me, Al Sharpton, and his perm in the streets. Like, I can't, I can't always do it. 
but right. maybe then we need shifts. Maybe it needs to be millennials, and then it needs to be uh, 40-somethings, and then it needs to be a geriatric marks, and then take it to the teenagers. <laughs> you know, maybe we need a rotation, right. because until we maybe. get... Until we can yes. get to not just equality, but equity. Like equality right. means I'm giving everybody the same thing. Equity right. means, well, if I can give you all the same thing, but if you're starting at different places, you're, you're still not on the same playing field. Right. So maybe I need to balance out what I'm doing so that we're all starting from the same place with the same opportunities. That's you're true. right, but I think we just got to keep hollering. We got to keep hollering. Yes, that's so true. And then, so speaking, so with this whole missing case, they were talking about social media um, because on her social media, it was pretty much like a, a blog for her and her fiance. And it was pretty much, you know, highlighting how great and how perfect, you know, the relationship was. And just thinking about how social media works. We were just talking about it yesterday about how, you know, social media has become a main source of news. Like, I found out Kobe Bryant died by looking at something on the shave room on, on IG. I'm pretty sure we see all kinds of news articles, all kinds of everything on social media. And it's, you know, it's really rare that I actually turn the TV on to actually watch the news. Maybe in the morning, if I remember, I might do that. But either way, it's usually via Facebook or IG that I'm getting that information. What about y'all? Okay. Uh-oh. I think three, I think you're muted. Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I get all my news from Instagram. That's where everything comes from. Like, if I need local news, Charlotte is one of them that just has everything up there. Um, if I need global, I need celebrity, whatever it is, it's literally right at my fingertips. So I do not watch TV, you know, to get anything. Um, everything is literally right there. So right, yeah. Yeah, it's at my fingertips. So I realize that. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I mean, some people don't even pay for cable anymore. <laughs> like, I stream everything. I never watch live TV, like, ever. And so, yeah, social media is definitely that. Um, my favorite, I guess, my favorite source. And, it's pro and it should not be a, a good source. It's probably the shade room. You know, they, I mean, I feel like they have been doing, like, some real good reporting lately. <laughs> In, in all honesty, I agree. <laughs> they I have been doing some really good reporting. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, we had we learned about you know the responsibility of media and how you know a lot of times like if somebody dies, they don't want to say okay somebody specifically died because they want to make sure that they get it right. And it seemed like the shade room be trying to get it right. Yeah, they have been like, like <laughs> you know, TMZ his things right on the nails. Soon as it happens, TMZ doesn't miss right. it. Yes. So, um, yeah, journalism is definitely um, on a rise. Yes, and I saw, and we all saw R. Kelly. He got, you know, mm -hmm. he, ended up, he was found guilty. Yep. And so now everyone's talking like, you know, well, we everybody been talking. We all been talking about, you know, this is, you know, this is some craziness. But, you know, he he has created good music over the years. Are we going to like, is he canceled? I, to me, I think he's canceled. It's the no for me. It's the no for you. It's but it's like, 
okay, yeah, you know, do we still yeah. listen to his music? Should they not play him on the radio? Like where, like where do we go with this? Don't play anything. Get yeah. him out of here. He don't mean anything. And this is only one state. He has more states he has to you know, face charges in. So I'm looking forward to the same thing happening to him moving forward as well. Um, but yeah, cancel or tell him. Like, if anybody needs to cancel, that's who they need to cancel. They try to cancel everybody else sometimes. Eh. But R. Kelly, absolutely. If I do hear my radio, sorry to put you on. I change it. Nah, I just remember being younger probably like in high school and remembering rumors about him marrying Aaliyah. And you know, when she started, she was young, she was 15 years old. And so it's just like, you know, wow, like that that actually happened. Like who signed off on this? And it came out that parents didn't know about it. But what I mean, how of course we're not gonna victim shame, but you know, these rumors have kind of been circulating for a while. What about these parents? I think I'm not, no to, I'm, I'm not no mama, but y'all, mama's out there. <laughs> but you know, we have so many like unspoken secrets as a community. Oh, like it's oh, ridiculous, right? Oh. And then, <laughs> like, and I'm not taking up for our Kelly because to be perfectly honest, I don't say right. much because number one, you ain't babysitting my kids when I have these fictional children. Number one, number two, I mean, I feel like we got enough dupes of the kind of music he was making that we can safely put him to the side now. Um, even if it wasn't just the right thing to do, because let's be honest, sometimes the right thing to do isn't enough for people to do it, right? Right. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I think that it brings up the key point of addressing these like secrets that everybody knows. Like, and while it is, it is good, a good thing that he's being brought accountable, because he had we, that stuff was on video, video with the bullshit. Video. <laughs> like back in high school, back when <laughs> I was in high school, it was on VHS. VHS. Seriously. <laughs> so, like, there's there's no market for, like, this isn't fair. Oh, no, it's fair. And now let's make sure that we are universally turning that lens. Right. Uh, that it's not, you know, that is, number one, it's not just Black folks, because I have noticed the theme of Black folks tend to get uh, brought to justice real quick. Uh, remember that guy who right. uh, molested all of those Hollywood stars? Has he even been, been sentenced yet? He's, he's deceased. They say, uh huh. They're they're still working what? on the case, right? How long did it take for them to like take that to fruition? And yet, someone like R. Kelly or Bill Cosby, they they snapped up again, not excusing it at all. Just like, can we can we be balanced in what we're addressing? Can we can we make sure that we are applying the lens um, as equally, let's just say, as possible? Like when you know there's a, a kid at the at the um, at the church hall or down at the Masons, because you know people still Masons and all that stuff that you don't leave your kids with. Oh, really? There's some people you don't. There's the one uncle you don't leave the kids in the room alone with. All of that. Yes. <laughs> we get so we get so vocal now. Let's make sure that we are universally applying that when it's not the news right. cameras but like for real hey what are you doing <laughs> uncle Roro? Mm -hmm. yes i see free somebody's actually where you get your shirt from that's cute hey karen um just pray apparel um is it and the instagram is at mustard seed 11.1 11.1 
So yes, and every shirt comes with a mustard seed, so all you need is a little bit of faith. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. I'm happy to remember that. Next hot topic, let's talk about Portia Williams, y'all. Hmm. What you think, girl? You you in your 20s. What you, what you think? <laughs> I know it be change stuff be changing. You know, Miss Portia Atlanta Williams um is in the wrong because she was at that woman's house. Whether she was friends with her or not, Phelan welcomed her in her home. We all know your home is your sanctuary, it's your safe space, it's your cleanse space. And she let her in her home and she is now engaged to her ex-husband. That to me is just, that's just wrong. That's just betrayal. And they're flaunting it all on social media, all online. Just gave this man an engagement ring. She's crying. He's crying. What y'all think about women giving men engagement rings? No. It's 2021. No. 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 I mean, granted, she has one as well. But regardless, to me, the whole relationship, I just think is shady. It's just. The whole thing is shady. You were plotting while you was at that woman's house. You had to have been. Because you would have never known him if it wasn't for her. And that was his wife at the time. Crazy. My my concern, because this is just my opinion, of course, just here for you know the money's very well over there. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's gonna be a prenup. Is she gonna sign that prenup? Are you gonna be as happy as you've been when that prenup really comes out? I'm pretty sure this man is gonna protect his assets. Oh, okay. she really does not know you, especially the way he has met you. Will always, you know be in your future in his yeah, I'll be waiting to see how that plays out. Mm-mm, Mary, you, would you give Jeff would you give Jeff an engagement ring? No, I would not. So it makes me wonder why Portia felt the need to give him an engagement ring when she didn't give anyone else one. Could it be that you're scared that he's gonna be out here doing the same thing with somebody else because of the oh, circumstances man. that you got together with him in, you know? <laughs> But no, Jeffrey would not have gotten an engagement ring. He didn't. <laughs> I know that's right. That's that. That's some craziness. That's I just I don't know. I'm just again, like you said, Christina. It's not necessarily like we have to be BFFs or best friends. But I invited you to my house. Mm-hmm. You swam in my pool. You ate my food and sat at my table. Mm-hmm. The lines is way too close. And I don't care if, you know, we was arguing because, you know, they talk about how she had her problems and she was cheating and all this other stuff with somebody else. I don't care. I don't care what was going on, you know, within my marriage or whatever was going on. But you crossed the line. It's no like not to say that you had to be loyal, but come on now. Forget it. It's girl code. You know, good and well. Girl code. And there's a difference between my ex-boyfriend, my ex-hookup, and my husband, okay? <laughs> this is true. Like a guy this I talked to point. at a party, I don't care if my girl talks to him also. We ain't never exchanged phone numbers. Like, let's let's be real about the situation here. But this is my actual husband. Wait, that is a that is a total party foul. Violation hey, of yeah. the girl code. Like, hey, no. Yeah. I, none of that. Absolutely none. So whatever you do to put a nice face on it, you can talk about how I, I know people who be like Jesus sent him. Really? He sent him by way of somebody else? That's a- <laughs> right. <laughs> I I know know, that's how I, lady, 
Yes, you like Lady Pierre said. Right. Like Lady Pierre said, you have to be mindful of inviting Judas's into your home. That is very true. You gotta watch them. You gotta watch them. Still speaking of like, you know, marriage. This next young lady, Miss Ari, we saw that she bought her boyfriend, her man, 28.8 acres of land for his birthday. Now that's I mean, that's a nice gift. Really, but is they were talking about on the real? Is that is there such thing as you know marriage gifts? You know, in relationship, boyfriend girlfriend gifts. We just friends gifts. Is there a difference between gifts? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel as there's a relation. There's a difference between as being a girlfriend and a wife. So I believe it starts there, and that's just my opinion. You know, I don't believe you're supposed to do be a wife for you. As a girlfriend, I don't. I teach this to a lot of different females and a lot of girls about that. Um, and so, yes, I believe gifts come along with that too, as well. Like that's something I would give my husband, you know, not my boyfriend's. Um, and but I also see that some of this new generation they don't believe in the moral values and principles that we were all, you know. Yeah. Design and biblically and things of that nature. So I think that plays a major role too as well. This culture has yes. the minds that it's like a competition. I don't know, like really don't know, but they don't they don't see marriage as the thing they the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. It's right. I got a boyfriend, I got a girlfriend, and um, that's just what it is. Right. What you we got our uh in-house 20-something-year-old Christina, which I know y'all younger people, like she said, y'all be doing things differently, but is that is that all 20-somethings? I don't think it's all 20-somethings because I'm not doing any wife duties if I'm not a wife. And I'm not buying no man 28.8 acres of land. Now, if we would like to do a business deal and I'm part owner or my business is part owner of this land with you, then we could do a business deal, but I'm not gonna gift you 28.8 acres. And then I decide I don't wanna be in this relationship no more, or you decide you don't wanna be in this relationship no more. And then that's just 28.8 acres that that's just out, right? I don't look at it like that. but there are a lot of people, and I know a lot of people that do wife tendencies in the girlfriend role with the hopes of eventually either becoming a wife or the hopes that the man will never leave by giving that man extra things. When in reality, that's just, that's just it's not true. That's not the case. Um, yeah. If they're going to leave, they're going to leave. And yeah. if you, you know, my grand my grandparents always used to say, "Don't do anything to a man now." because he won't do it in the end. So you've given him everything right now. What's it, it does, Is he going to be moved by the Lord to marry you? Or is he going to be satisfied in that situation and keep you in that situation? I mean, in all honesty, in, real, in realness, and then still talking about going off this, you know, marriage and all these different things. Um, we have to think, we're also thinking about Miss, uh, Miss Jackson, and she was in a relationship with Nellie for, well, it was well. Te- they said seven years online, but Free has let us know that they had broke up way before then because she got the inside scoop. She's our in-house 
uh, ears and feet to the streets. She knows a lot <laughs> in this community. Um, but yeah, but it brings me to the question of, you know, how long? You know, how long do we wait around? How long do we say, you know, I, I love my man, but I do want to be married. How long do you, you know, wait for, you know, for for the guy to say, you know what, let's get married. Let's do this thing. What y'all think? What y'all, what's y'all limits? What would be y'all limits? I think a lot of people are wanting to skip to the experience. And like what I mean by that is like you got a lot of people who are tired of dating, you know, tired of the introductory place with the the get to know you stuff. And, you know, you you have to do it online for a lot of people and you go through the same process to try and get to know somebody it doesn't work out. You start all back with what is your favorite color? What would you be doing if we went in a pandemic? <laughs> are you an axe murderer when you're not online? Like all of that. And I think that um, it gets tiring for people and they wind up like just wanting to have the experience. So I may do something like, you know, crazy, like buy him 28 acres, you know, so that we can feel like we're like established. This is a big thing. Like, are, are we, we're together now, right? You know, and yeah. I, can, I can feel like I'm having the experience even if he hasn't, you know, treated me like a wife or, I, you know, we haven't talked about whether we both want marriage or both want kids or all of that other stuff. And I think, at this juncture in life, especially where we are like in 2021, sometimes people are, are just tired of trying to wait through the process and mm -hmm. they decide they want to skip straight to the experience. I don't I don't know a lot of people that that's worked out for. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know any personally <laughs> that that is worked out for. But as someone who is also single, like I, I get that, you know, there are times that you, you, you just like, I don't want to date. I want to be married. I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, and while I'm like, I understand, but no, I can't just leap into the experience. Cause what if you are an ex murderer in your spare time? I'm not going to know you got people in your freezer in the basement till, you know, it's too late. Right. <laughs> Mary, how long did Jeff have? Mary, how long did Jeff have before you was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> So for us, when we went into the relationship, I think you have to have clear expectations. And we both have been in long-term relationships prior to us meeting each other. So we had expectations. Like we knew, you know, like we were looking, he was looking for a wife. I was looking for a husband. So we knew if either one of us wasn't looking for the same thing, then we need to end that relationship right then. There you go. Um, surprisingly, me and Jeffrey met on Match.com. Um, having all those upfront conversations, you know, back in the day when you were actually typing in questions and answering them before you met the person <laughs> gave us a lot of background information. So um, I think we were together a year and then we got engaged and then we waited another year before we got married. So it ended up being a total of two years. That's cool. Me and my husband, we met on Match.com. Okay. Yeah. Get on match.com. <laughs> I'm about to say, do I need to get on match.com? <laughs> but you got to pay for it. Don't be free. Don't be cheap. Exactly. If you don't pay for it, you're going to get the crazy people. So you got to pay for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just want to play a little devil's advocate. Um, right. Yes, because for you, you with your man, y'all broke up, got back together. Yes, we met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. Um, I've been knowing her for officially 20 years now. Um, I didn't want to get married. So I can't always say it's the man for the situation. I just don't want to put it on Nelly. You know? <laughs> but, um, I didn't want to get married. 
I yeah. to get married. He wanted to get married. Why do you want to be married? Um, one personally, I've never seen a successful marriage in my family. Um, all my uncles they were married twenty five plus years and got divorced, and my aunt. So it's like, um, it, you know, just a lot of family, just a lot of things I've been through in my life. It was just like, yeah, marriage. Mm, it's a no for me. But you know, with the grace of God, I say, how did how did Carter talk you into it? With the grace of God, you know, and that was one of my another come to Jesus moments. You know, I had a <laughs> me and God, God, what, what you want me to do? Just you know, I'm I'm here. So me and God had a long talk, and my husband and everything that I wanted him to do, and some, and he proved it to me, and we got me. Amen. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. Yes. y'all. I don't know what that is, but it must be some new stuff. It must be. <laughs> I want real quick. I'm sorry, Ashley. I want to um, go back to Kelly. What you talked about about people rushing to the experience, and when you said that, it made me think about what we do in life in general. Y'all, we are always on the move. And we want everything fast, fast, fast. You know, we talked about news, how it's on our phones, Twitter, it's immediate. We go through drive-throughs. We want stuff that's fast and convenient for every aspect of our life. And when you mentioned experience with relationships, it bleeds into that because with our regular days, we're moving so quick and we want everything immediately to where we push that over to our relationships. And some people push that over to their relationship with God. They're like, God, I prayed for this and I want you to get this to me now. I I asked for this promotion or whatever it is that you're asking for and I want it immediately. And that's when we have to remind ourselves that it's not our time, it's God's time. So when you had said that, I thought about that, which is how we move so quick, just in life in general, we bleed it over to everything in our lives. Right. Totally. And that's real. We we have that that sense of gratification. Um, we yes. can't even say sometimes it's instant gratification. I agree with Andrea. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it is difficult to wait. Like we, and I'm not even just talking about relationships. We tend to kind of zoom in on like single people, even though everybody single doesn't want to be married, but we, we, we don't really, it's not easy to wait period. And I'm not flashing that on everybody else. Me too. You know, I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and I was like, you know, if, if it's been 10 years, is it still impatient? I feel like we got to think of another word. we got we got to find another word Uh, Uh, it it is i think the challenge and a part of our like actual maturing process as like people and spiritually is to like weigh out like all right so i'm not okay with where we are um i'm not going to leap into the experience whether it's career whether it's my relationship with god whether it is a relationship with another person, whether it's money, whatever, but like, what is this meantime supposed to mean to me? And I think that we have to be okay with wrestling with it when we can't get an answer for it from Google. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I just wanted to throw um, Josh Jordan talking about Carter must have hit you with the prayer Russell Wilson hit Sierra with. <laughs> <laughs> they both was doing something so praying. That I just absolutely love. <laughs> but I did want to jump into, we don't have a, you know, time flies. So I did want to jump into some big sis Q&A. I got a couple questions from some, some of our younger sisters. And I want to jump into the first one. How do you know 
um, a friendship has ran its course. How do you, anybody take a hit at that first? How do you know? <laughs> I, I would say uh, my cutoff game is strong, so I had to work on that because sometimes the friendship has not run its course. It's just that we get to a place of adulting where we grown. And while we all know like we're not perfect, sometimes we are not comfortable with being accountable. Like, yeah. so somebody calling us on our stuff and all of a sudden we don't want to be around them anymore. And we think that the season for the friendship is over when it's really, we are out of touch with being held accountable for our stuff, part A. But when a friendship is really over, I think you can tell by, um, you haven't reached out to them and it's not intentional. You just don't wind up connecting. Um, mm -hmm. When you do, it's only because like you've reminded yourself that you haven't talked to them in a while. And mm -hmm. when you guys talk again, there's nothing to talk about. Um, and some stuff, there are some non-negotiables. Like I feel like sometimes in life, as we grow and mature and who we are as, as people, we come to what our non-negotiables are. Like for example, mm -hmm. if I had a friend and during the height of like Trumpism, who wants to talk about like slavery doesn't matter. Like stop even talking about slavery and you know, who, who is actually racist. Like we, we clearly we don't, we, we can't move forward from this. Like this has ended. We've come to a place that you hit my non-negotiable and my non-negotiable is not me being stubborn. It is something that is, that is bone and marrow to me. And right. you can't recognize that it's important to me and that would, you know, it's contradictory. So yeah. I think you have to recognize your non-negotiables um, and you have to be willing to to recognize that just because the season has ended doesn't mean that it wasn't valuable for what it was, right? Like sometimes when we are when when our friendship like fades away, that's fine. Like we don't have to revive it. We don't have to turn on this person. You know, I never did like oh anyway. We're always saying, you know, <laughs> we we have to learn how to like let go of something without turning it into like an enemy. You know, just because right. we don't agree doesn't mean that we're enemies. So pay Absolutely. attention to your non-negotiables. Check out your growth and their growth. Um, and sometimes be open because just because this season of our friendship comes to a close doesn't mean that we're not going to bump into each other five years from now, have coffee, hit it off, and we're back at it again. So just right. to be open um, while, you know, not opening yourself up to abuse. Just we can't cancel. We can't cancel out our friends immediately. When they make you mad, we can't we know we in the cancel culture, but sometimes, you know, thinking, thinking about Jesus, thinking about the word, thinking about, you know, all those different things. And, you know, when you have a problem with your brother, with your sister, you know, bring it to them. It's OK. If you guys are in relationship, that's something that you should be able to do. Come to them and be like, you know, it's just you really offended me. And if she's, you know, she's a woman of God and she, you know, she follows she that's one thing even if she wasn't you know that's one thing that i would i would hate to hear if somebody came and said hey ashley you know you really hurt my feelings you know that's something that i absolutely don't want to do and i think a lot of times people get defensive and then that's where it just kind of goes back and forth but if you can you know humble yourself and realize that you know hey this is not what i wanted to do i apologize this is what you know what i was actually trying to do um because I love you and I care about you. Because you know, a lot of times it's because they oh, they love you so much. You know, from those situations. But like you said, Kelly, you know, those non-negotiables. But don't be so quick to 
be quick to you know cut people off just see if it's if it is reconcilable and like you said it don't need for no whole girlfriend breakup i'm telling you sometimes it's i don't call you sometimes you don't call me i say hard conversation changes things Yes, it does. You know, and the biggest thing with both of those, uh, Free and Ashley, is self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Understanding that how people see us is not how we see ourselves. And so right. we need to be open to listening to see how they see us. Because yeah. we may have said something that could be our regular self, but it may have offended them. So we need to be open if they do say, hey, I am offended, or your tone was a little harsh, because it may sound regular to you, but it may sound bad to them. So just being aware of who you are and being open to when people do either critique you or just come to you vulnerable vulnerable or being humble. That self-actualization, that is so true. So, so true. And pay attention to peace. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, just to interject before we go. Like, if you have peace with, like, the, the, the ebb and flow of the relationship, then that's mm-hmm. like a key indicator that like it's okay. It, it's just under. Right. sometimes we right. say we got peace, but you still talk about it, and you talk about it, you know, to your other friends every month. So maybe <laughs> you don't actually have peace, right? You don't actually have peace. <laughs> so to tag in just exactly along with with the self actualization, like, are you peaceful? Are you good? It's okay. Right. Well, since you're there, I want you to go ahead and give us our quick ten with Kelly. We got we got our our minister here. So Kelly, go ahead and give us some words of wisdom so we can okay. get out of here soon. You're gonna cut it short. The time goes crazy. Time flies. Time flies so fast. So we go cut it short so we don't don't maximize. But um, there's something that uh, uh, that that links into what we've been talking about in this whole conversation. And that is like managing boldness for maximum impact. Okay. And what I mean by that is like in these days and times, we are noticing like, especially in social media on the news, people feel like they could be bold enough to say a lot of stuff. Right. And do a lot of stuff. We were were talking about Portia, bold, bold to be a somebody's house and roll out like that. And (laughs) These days, sometimes we can equate like the loudness of somebody um, or their boldness that they have come to like a different space. But I, I want to challenge us as sisters tonight is that we have to keep an eye to managing our boldness to make sure that we're making the maximum impact. What do I mean by that? Like in the book of Judges, um, and I know we talk about not judging people, but in the book of Judges, there's an awesome judge named Deborah that a lot of people are familiar with, right? She was a judge during the time that Israel was at war. And you will come to the story of a very interesting sister whose name is JL. Y'all might even know somebody named JL. But she's in the Bible. I can read Judges. <laughs> judges chapter four. Go back and read it. It's a very interesting story. But there is a lady in Judges four whose name is JL. She is married. She is married to a guy who is not an Israelite. He kind of is in the middle of a conflict, right? Um, and if, as you get to the end of Judges 4, you find a very interesting story that Israel is at war. They've been oppressed for years, decades by Jabin, one of their enemies. And the Lord has called up the army that he's going to fight this battle for them. So Deborah's the judge. She sends the army out to fight because Israel's going to be free. The enemy, Jabin's folks, he has a general named Sisera. They're on the run. They scared because God is going to fight for Israel. And while Sisera's on the run, trying to outrun God's justice, he comes to the tent of our girl, J.L., and her husband, Heber. 
when he gets to JL's tent, JL's like, oh, come in. Because although Jabin is Israel's enemy, he's friendly with JL and her fam JL and her family. You know, sometimes uh them, them allegiances can begin to crisscross. So Cicero sees her and is like, oh yeah, sis, thank you. Now give me something to drink and cover me up. And if anybody comes say I'm not here. And JL goes, you know what? Yeah, here's some milk. Lay on down here. I'm gonna cover you up with the with a cloak and, and rest yourself. And when Cicero lays down in her tent, she goes and gets a tent peg and a hammer and hammers him through the head. The spike goes through his skull into the ground. But a war Meanwhile, the general from Israel comes along and she JL goes out like, uh, yeah, come come, come over here, I got something for you. <laughs> and pulls off the cake. And here's the enemy who's dead through a tent peg through the skull by sister girl. What does this oh. mean? <laughs> JL is somebody who um, is extremely bold and sometimes gets a bad rap, you know, because hey, she went to the guy and she invited him in on false pretenses and then and then killed him and sometimes we can have different histories people look at us and the things that we've done in different ways and we can be come to a place where we begin to see ourselves and other people see us but i want us to look at jl as someone who was number one used by god right despite she she was she a lot of things yeah she was a murderer she did drive that tent peg straight through right she, she was a little deceitful because, you know, she invited him in and he thought they were friends and, and she killed him. She was a rule breaker. You know, she broke the rule of hospitality. You know, in those days when someone invites you to hospitality, you're supposed to take care of your guests as your own. So her past was something that you could judge in one way. And her boldness can be judged in a bunch of different ways. But she was used by God to accomplish God's purpose for his larger plan. So what are you even talking about, Reverend Kelly? Well, boldness is not just about being bad enough to say or do something that other people would judge one way or the other. Boldness is meaning that you are stepping up, that you deal with the darkness and the light. Because think about colors. Bold colors are not dark. They're not like they're in the middle, right? They're fully saturated. That's the word that I want to use, right? The plum teal look at those colors they're not dark they're not light they have like a balance of the dark and the light and in our lives right we have to have a balance of the dark and the light some of us have experienced more darkness than others some of us have experienced more light than others and so all of that contributes to who we are and the boldness and what we step forward to do so our push as sisters as women who represent God, who are trying to do their best for their families, for their communities, is to manage the boldness of ourselves with maximum impact. So what did JL do? She used the right tool to get the job done, right? She used gentleness when gentleness needed to be, hey, hey, sister, come on in. She used a hammer when a hammer needs to come into play. She used sustenance, giving him milk. She used diplomacy in dealing with the general from Israel and the general from the other side, Sisera. And so when we are talking about being bold, it's not just that I'll say what other people won't say, because sometimes you're saying it wrong. Sometimes you're saying it rude. Sometimes you're using boldness to cover up insecurity or ignorance. But we, as sisters, as women who are doing our best for God, we can manage our boldness for maximum impact 
by making sure that we use it the right way. There's a time to speak up and say what needs to be said. And there's a time to be quiet and let our silence speak for us. Let my expertise speak for, for me. Let my class speak for me. Let my intelligence, let my words, let, let, my, let my influence, let those things speak for me instead of me being the loudest voice in the room. And I think we as women have that incredible capacity to do that. We just have to make sure that we don't let social media or emergency or family members make us act before we can control our boldness and use it for maximum impact. And then we have to remember, don't let your past direct your purpose. So JL is the wife of a man who is obviously associated with both sides of a war, right? She's, they've got Israel, we've got Jabin who's been oppressing them for like 80 years, right? And so she's got a lot of stuff going on, as do we all, right? As does Portia, as does each and every one of us. And there's some stuff in our past that was our responsibility. Some of us talk about our come to Jesus moments. There's some stuff that made us really see Jesus for the first time, whether it was our fault or somebody else's. It is important to recognize how our past contributes to who we are, how we communicate, how we think about ourselves, but not to let that control how we go forward. Like, sure, I did the wrong thing. I mean, JL murdered him. Like, he's dead, dead. Like, dead, dead. Is she a murderer for the rest of her life? Is that what she's known for? No, she's known for changing the tide in a war because Jabin had been oppressing Israel for 80, I think it was 80 years, right? And she was a part of ending a conflict that resolved the deaths, you know, people had died in a war. And so we have to remember that as we are looking at the things that we are called to respond to on, whether it's social media or in real life, the things that we're called to speak up about, whether we wanna, you know, black lives really do matter and we wanna continue to, to scream out, you know, all of the different areas that we are called to speak up and to move forward and to discover our purpose in making a change for the better, that is a part of our evolution as people. And so we can do that. God will help us do that. The Holy Spirit will help us do that. Forgiveness, self-actualization, therapy, community, making sure we connect with each other will help us to do that. We just have to make sure we don't let the past overwhelm where we're going in our future. So, so I would invite everybody to take a look at the story of JL, take a look at the news, take a look at your own story and look at how you can manage your boldness for the maximum impact to accomplish the purpose so that you're not just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals, but you are making changes and transformation around you one ripple in the pond at a time. JL was in touch with politics right? The generals, the war. She was in touch with her community. She knew the, the deal. She had it all set up so he could come into her tent. She was in touch with her family dynamics. It mentions how she's the wife of Heber and Heber was a very active gentleman, right? She was in touch with herself because it takes some strength to hammer a stake through somebody's skull into the ground. She was managing a lot of pots, a lot of irons in the fire, as are we all. But she managed to manage her boldness, her impact, and make the maximum impact, to accomplish what it is that she was meant to do, and to leave behind a record in the book that if you read the book of Judges, you will read about what she did for the purpose of God. Each and every person on this recording 
has a purpose that God has intended you for. It's not just wrapped up in your past. It's not just wrapped up in how loud you are or how much you post about it or put yourself out there with boldness on Instagram so that other people can, can know your name. That can change in a minute and people will forget you. How do we manage this boldness, our talents, our gifts, our voice, our shine, our sparkle, our flavor, our attitude, that just special something for maximum impact. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you all. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Free. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, St. Paul, for coming in and joining with us. Thank you so much for, you know, participating and putting your comments. This was so much fun. I really do appreciate this, you know, with this pandemic, with everything going on. We can't, you know, fellowship like we used to, but this certainly, you know, helps. It's nothing like your church family. And so I appreciate all y'all coming out tonight and, and conversing and conversating with us um, for sister night, sister to sister, even the guys. I saw you in the chat. So y'all got a little preview as to how it goes down. <laughs> but thank y'all so much. I do want to mention that we're going to have a brother to brother next month. And so that's going to be the last Wednesday um, of October. So it's looking like October 27th. So look out for that. Jeff, our, our leader of Kaya, he's going to be hosting that. So make sure that you guys stay tuned for that. Again, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity for us to gather. We do not forsake our opportunities of coming together, being able to be in your name. We love it and we appreciate it. Father God, we hope that you continue to send your Holy Spirit with us as we get through this week, as we continue to get through this pandemic. I pray a hedge of protection over all of us, Father God, that no hurt, harm, or danger comes our way. I just pray that you give us everything that we need. We need your wisdom. We need your self-discipline. We need your productivity. We need your strength. Anything that we need to get through this week and furthermore, Father God, we appreciate everything that you do for us. We thank you for the man of God that we have at our church, given, giving us this platform and everyone that had to do with this um, Kai event. We appreciate everything that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good night, sisters. Good night. Good night. <laughs>